Hello everybody and welcome to the Tuesday Toolbox meeting of adult children of alcoholics in Cobble Hill, Brooklyn. My name is Anne. I'm a Tuesday Toolbox member and an adult child. We're recording our speakers every week because we're hoping others will benefit from hearing these stories from our members. We'd love to hear your comments and questions. Our email address is TuesdayToolboxACA at gmail.com. Also, please take a moment to rate our podcast on SoundCloud or iTunes. It will help others find the podcast. Adult Children Alcoholics is a 12-step program of recovery for people who grew up in an alcoholic or otherwise dysfunctional home. If you'd like to find a meeting to attend, go to adultchildren.org and click on Meetings. This week we're hearing from our friend Larry speaking about the critical voice and their inner loving parent. And I'm sorry, the audio is a little wonky in parts and there's a lot of kind of extraneous noise. So um, please endure and enjoy. Hi, buddy. My name is Larry and I'm a recording adult child. Hey, Larry. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I, I want to um, first... Thank you all for inviting me over to share my experience, strength, and hope. Um, glad to see some um, little history here. Um, I think it was about 10 years ago, we didn't have any meetings in Brooklyn. In fact, I think all the meetings were in Manhattan. I was just reflecting on that. We had no meetings in Staten Island, none in Queens. I think we had one in the Bronx. And so, uh, I remember being bummed that Brooklyn didn't have any meetings. And um, you guys are, I think, the largest meetings in the five boroughs. So congratulations on that. Um, the passage that I wanted to read about or to share about is uh, on page 299 of the Big Red Book. At the end, the last paragraph reads, we awaken the loving parent inside by actively listening to what we tell ourselves about ourselves. We stop in mid-sentence if we are putting ourselves down or criticizing our thoughts or behavior. We identify the source of the negativity, which is the inner critic inside all. all we face this critical voice with affirmations that ourselves, we reframe our mistakes as chances to learn or grow emotionally. This is a sign of becoming our own loving parent. So a little about me, I came into this fellowship in 1987 off of a bad breakup, um, came around for a little while, uh, had a sponsor at the time, we didn't use the fellow traveler term, um, who confronted me about using, about being high at a meeting. And I swore, I, I looked at him like, are you kidding? You gotta be kidding, are you, you, think, I'm, are you think I'm high? And um, of course I was, and uh, I, ran, I ran to my car because I just was not ready to put away my drinking and drugging. Um, but I was perfectly willing to go to a meeting and, and share about how I came from an alcoholic home. My dad died when I was 21 years old of cirrhosis of the liver. Um, he had left the family long before then. <clears throat> Um, in fact, we just recently found out, I got on Ancestry and I found out that I have a brother who's one year older than I am. And um, so he had already had his, his, his exit and um, I, I, came, I came after the exit was already uh, partially done. 
Um, so this, this passion speaks to something that was very important. Uh, so I came in 87. Um, I came, I got clean and sober in 92, and I've been in the fellowship, you know, ever since. Um, so um, about, I'm going to say 15 years ago, um, my recovery has sort of flat, flattened. Um, you know, we're talking about flattening the curve, but this was like a flattening that was not cool. And um, I was looking for something more than just going to meetings and hearing the same people share the same stories week in and week out. And I got on the website of Adult Children of Alcoholics and saw they were publishing the book. I got on the line. They were accepting pre-orders. And when I read the book, I finally felt that I had pierced another layer. And again, I was, I was, I was loving it. Um, the part of the book, you know, when I first read the book, this is a short story, but uh, when I first read the book, I thought it was more like a, a novel, right? So I was waiting for the ending. I didn't really read it as an informational. And then um, about the third or fourth time through, I started really trying to understand what are they trying to tell me? Like, what, what are they saying? False self, true self, critical parent, what, what, what? And um, I actually made it a point to look at this chapter eight and really learn what they were trying to give me. And it was one of the turning points in my recovery, uh, which is why I use it as the topic for tonight. Um, the idea that a critical parent sounds like perfectionism, controlling, all or nothing, and judgmental helped me to identify those, those thoughts, those attitudes, that behavior that really um, had become so, you know, beyond being ingrained, I was kind of proud. I thought this was my way of establishing that I wasn't my dad's kid. I wasn't my mom's kid. I was my own man. I, I, I can be in these positions and I have a better judgment and I understand stuff better and everything is black and white. So when I read that section of the book and when I studied it, when I took it in, um, a short story that relates to the point. Uh, I went to talk to my daughter one time and she was still living with me. Uh, I went to talk to her and I, and, I, and I realized when I went to open my mouth that what I was going to say was critical and I went, I... So I tried it again, I said, third time, okay, goodbye. I just walked out the room because I didn't have the vocabulary. I didn't have another frame of reference. I didn't, this is all I knew was why isn't your room picked up? What are you doing about school? What are you doing about a job? And I was just like constant, constant. And um, I started to use that, that knowledge to gain insight into my critical parents. And um, at least for me, what I've learned is that my critical survival parent is the way that it's phrased in the to the beginning, all of us trifold. Um, it's a survival coping mechanism, but it has its downside for me. Um, I can, you know, point to the positive of it, you know, I'm a decent job, a decent career, but soulfully, spiritually, not so much. Um, so I've learned to listen to that critical voice and as the reading suggests, um, be able to use affirmations as a way of getting to know this critical parent. Um, so I was talking to my goddaughter this morning and she was telling me about some issue that she's having. And I was inviting, I said, listen, 
because I'm an ACA, I'm, you know, I, I practice, but, you know, back in 87, well, 92 or 87, um, we practiced a program based on a sponsorship trifold that has since gone out of publication, but it was basically um, highlighting that we ought not to um, invade people's process. So if you're in the middle of getting in touch with something or you're, you're really having a hard time sorting stuff out, our job was to hold the space. And Alice Miller calls him an enlightened witness mm. in the, uh, to uh, the drama to get the child. Um, but the point is that she was telling me the story my goddaughter was, and I was thinking, I actually told her, I said, listen, I can just be an enlightened witness, or I can get in there and try to guess at what everybody's thinking and why they're doing what they're doing, or you can be parent and go inside and figure it out for yourself. And um, that's what I've learned to do in this program. Uh, as it says, every opportunity, every challenge, every difficulty that I encounter or that comes into my life really can become one of those teaching moments, one of those learning uh, spiritual lessons. Um, often they pass right past me. I just, uh, I, you know, I just reacted and it went past me. Um, so as I was talking to my goddaughter this morning, I was talking to her about an incident I had in my house that morning. And in relaying how I would be able to go, go inside, I sort of went through it and I got to a whole different level of understanding and appreciation and vulnerability and into integrity, um, which is the blessing of the program. Um, so I, uh, I chose this reading because I think oftentimes in early recovery in 1987, for example, we would get around um, about this many people in a room we do like you know three circles, and we would scream and yell and throw chairs and curse, and then we'd go for coffee. <laughs> we called that recovery, and certainly it was helpful to have somewhere to go, but there was no real growth. Um, Ninety-two, ninety-five, we probably got in the room and we read the literature, but the literature that we had at the time was very limited. We had the, the identity papers, and we were using third-party uh, literature to try to figure out how to get back. Uh, now with the bread book and the step book and the laundry list workbook, we're getting better tools. I worked in it. We're getting better tools uh, for recovery. Um, but it's like they say, you know, a, a, good, a good craftsman doesn't blame the tools. Um, so whether we only had the, tri uh, the identity papers or only had third-party third literature, um, the bottom line is... Um, it takes, it's a large ask. Um, it's a large ask to ask people to dive into why they are the way they are. You know, what happened? How did it get set up? Um, it's large. And, you know, I've seen people, you know, come. I was talking to Liz about, you know, what kind of group is this? Is this a stat working group, a service-oriented group? Is it a uh, group that has a a lot of uh, service-oriented people. There are a lot of wanderers. Um, and all of it is okay. If you're here and you're just trying to figure out if you belong, welcome. If you're here and you're doing step work and still having a hard time, you're in the right place. If you're here and you're doing step work and you're doing service and sometimes you get frustrated because there's 62 people in the room and nobody wants to put up a chair, it's okay. 
it's, it's, it's what you're called to do. Um, if you're here and you're just wandering and just, you know, want to wander in and out, but that's cool too. I had a fellow traveler there for about five years who lives in Thailand and he would come like every two or three years to, to New York. And that's how we hung out. And I'm still in touch with him. You know, the bottom line that I'm trying to get to is, and I hate to put it in this way, and I apologize. You guys are from Brooklyn, so I think you guys are going to get this joke. I hope it doesn't hit anybody the wrong way. Um, but the gist, of the, the gist of the joke is, is important. I'm an ACA to say one ass, and I'm sitting on it. <laughs> I ain't here to worry about anybody else. It's my ass that I'm trying to save. Uh, I've been close to suicide. And let me just touch on that for one minute. You know, if you're in here and you're thinking that life isn't worth living, this COVID thing has got you stressed out, and you know, there is no end at the, at the tunnel, hang on, we got you. We got you, we can do this. Don't, 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 this is not me blowing smoke, and I'm not trying to like, you know, uh, sell your fantasy. The bottom line is, what you're going through, we've been there, we know how to get back from there and get to wholeness and get into happiness and sanity. It's not, it's not um, hopeless. So um, the tools are important. Uh, persistence, consistent attendance at meetings helps. Having a therapist, it's a good idea. You know, as much as we can bond as fellow travelers, is as much as we can bond as fellow travelers. Um, if you have a therapist, that's a different level. It's a different side of the, uh, of the uh, of the disease that we can access if we have somebody who is paid to listen and to guide us. So tools for the trade, active listening, um, affirmations, making meetings, being persistent and consistent, getting therapy, using a fellow traveler. With any kind of luck, between all of those things, you'll be able to do what somebody one time, they told me that they asked Leonardo, how did he create uh, Michael? And uh, Leonardo was supposedly said, I just took away everything that wasn't Michael. And in this program, we take away everything that's not genuinely yours, authentically yours. And we offer you the opportunity to live an authentic, fulfilling life. Thank you for listening. I'd like to hear you guys now. Thanks.